0: Hi listeners, I just wanted to let you know that we do talk about Ricardo Rodriguez, a.k.a. El Local, and we also mentioned Brandon Stroud in this episode. This is before we knew anything about either of them from the Speaking Out movement, so I just wanted to say we do talk about both of these guys, known creepers, in this episode and just wanted to give you a heads up. So thank you very much. Enjoy the episode! I'm Megan Bob and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This
1: is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling
0: fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we attempt a life-saving
1: bribe on the episode of NXT (laughs) that originally aired on November 6th, 2013. In this episode, lots of short matches... Followed by Cassius Ono and Luke Harper beating the piss out of each other for 12 minutes.
0: Yeah!
1: Welcome to episode 25 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we hosted Liz Logan! We did! This episode, we come back down to earth where, just looking around, everything is uh, terrible, uh, but that's okay. Hopefully, from Bob's perspective, that doesn't include the episode of NXT we're watching. We'll find out in Bob's breakdown before we get into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Talking more about uh, women in wrestling history of the week. (laughs) Yay! Yay! And closing things out, as always, with the Cheap Pop Quiz. And speaking of which, Bob finally picked up a point after three straight gutter balls. Yep. Bringing her to five. So let's see how she did on last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Remember, she needs ten for another romance novel episode, or I guess bonus episode of her choice. So, question number one. Megan Bob, you've already seen the NXT debut of QT Marshall but the next episode features the NXT debut of a somewhat more prominent member of the AEW roster. Note the word, somewhat. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Is it A, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD? B, Penelope Ford? C, Sean Spears? D, Big Swole? Or E, Luchasaurus? Bob, you selected the answer C, Sean Spears, and you were correct. Yeah! Well done. Sean Spears and his uh, his NXT form is Ty Dillinger.
0: Oh man, he he still has almost the exact same haircut.
1: Yes, he doesn't change that much. He tells you he does, but he doesn't. I love him, but uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Question number two. As you'll soon see, the beautiful, fierce females are looking to expand their ranks. Which wrestler do they appear to be courting in a backstage segment on the next episode? Is it A, Charlotte, B, Bailey, C, Emma, D, Paige, or E, Tyler Breeze. Hmm. Bob, you guessed B,
0: Bailey, and you were correct again. Yeah, making up for those many gutter balls.
1: <laughs> With both Graves and Neville and Dawson and Rusev broken up, the NXT Tag Team division is bearer than ever, yeah. which might account for why the champions, The Ascension, spent the last episode beating up a pair of random jobbers. Who do they face on the next episode? It's an a. Another pair of random jobbers. B. Enzo and Cass. C. Tons of Funk, the large dancing main roster tag team. D. A team called Hunico and Camacho or E, a tag team from the Attitude Era called Too Cool, whose members include Scotty Too Hottie and Grandmaster Sexay. Bob, you chose the last one, (laughs) as I knew you would.
0: (laughs) As you picked it, were you like, oh yeah, I know what's gonna happen.
1: I was like, I know how this is gonna go. I don't even know why I'm spending that much work on the other answers. (laughs) The correct answer, unfortunately, was A, another pair of random jobbers. Yeah. But don't worry, Bob. You will meet too cool at some point in the not too distant future. All
0: right.
1: And uh, speaking of the not too distant future, it's time for the immediate future. And by that I mean, of course, the now. And what do we do in the now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. We're going to sit here with this. <laughs> Oh,
1: we do Bob's breakdown in the now. (laughs) So it's time,
0: Bob. (laughs) Break it on down.
1: Take it away.
0: Oh, God. (laughs) Well, okay. First of all, Miles, happy 25th episode. Happy twenty fifth episode, Bob. Our podcast is now old enough to rent a car. That's right. This summer, our podcast is going to rent a convertible and drive down the coast with its hair in the wind, feeling really free <laughs> for the first time in such a long time. I
1: picture our podcast as Stavani. Is that okay?
0: Oh, absolutely. Our po- oh man, I hope our podcast could be Stavani. Stavani's dope. Cold open. It's Sylvester LaFort and the beautiful Lana. LaFort doesn't know what's wrong with Rusev. He's always paid him well. Yeah, I absolutely trust this man who dresses like he's what Las Vegas <laughs> would look like if it was a person. <laughs> I am sure he's paid all of his debts.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lana's not buying it, though, and uh, gives him a da'svidanya and sends him on his way. So... This is the intro to match one, which is Rusev versus Lafort. Still, no sign of Scott Dawson. Miles, yeah. where do you think Scott Dawson is right now in in kayfabe? Where do you think he is? I think he must have had a car problem. Ah, I love it. Do you think his like, his Mima's car broke down? and He went to go fix it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah,
1: I mean, Scott Dawson, I think he's a good dude in general. Like, we know that he makes friends with people very easily. He does. You know, we know that he is uh, a caring tooth cleaner. And like, you know, he, he's very meticulous about that. We know yeah. he has decent mechanical skills, has the presence of mind to carry that mag light around all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just think that if he's not here, he's got to have a good reason.
0: You know what? I believe that. Scott Dawson, hopefully whatever you're doing is working out. All right. LaFour is not wearing tights of any kind for this particular match. <laughs> Just
1: wearing his regular pants. Yep.
0: Just looks like a very recently divorced 40 year old man who's discovered club wear. That's who has come into the ring. And he's feverishly trying to pay off the ref. And then when that fails, he tries to pay off Rusev. That doesn't work. It does not. He gets body checked and then taps out to Rusev's submission move as Rusev shoves the rejected money into LaFour's mouth gross guys i thought it was a really poignant anti-capitalist message personally i did too but also money is like ah don't put that in your mouth i
1: mean that's true
0: backstage bailey and charlotte have repaired bailey's broken headband with an amount of tape that made me think we were in a sketch comedy bit and it looks so adorably terrible (laughs) it's like (laughs) <laughs> they fixed it in a way that suggests they don't know how tape works or have never fixed anything in their lives. A lampshading quantity of tape. Uh-huh. But Sasha and Summer Rae come up and then they apologize to Bailey and, because they're like, so sorry. Right. But Charlotte isn't buying it and she's sick of these two hotties running around like they own the women's division. They don't need friends like that. And Bailey's like, yeah, we do. They're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Summer Ray says they could really use a girl like Bailey, provided Uh she drops Charlotte. And Charlotte is not pleased and tells Bailey to get out of her face. As Bailey's like, no, but come on, we should just be cool about this in a very Bailey way, which is not very cool about this. (laughs) But no, I don't want this adorable pairing to break up. But I mean, I think there's trouble in the ranks. I don't think this is going to go well. Mm. Yeah. Interesting match two el locale is ready to rock so now that i know who he is i was actually able to go like oh all right
1: it's actually him
0: <laughs> yeah i know i did check <laughs> and he's up against leo kruger who's back from probably a mercenary job that he did yeah i mean i don't think this is gonna go well miles i just don't think i don't think they brought in el locale to get put over by leo kruger i don't think that's what's gonna happen
1: you don't think they came, Leah Kruger came back to job to El Local?
0: No, I don't think so. So Kruger starts rabid with a spine buster, and when El Local gets up on the top rope, Kruger kicks his footing out from under him, sending him to the mat. And then Kruger gets in the corner and does some of those hoo, hoo, hoo,
1: hoo. That's all right.
0: Which I took anthropology, and Miles, do you know what that sound is called?
1: I do not. Enlighten me.
0: It is called a pant hoot. Really? Yeah. Kruger obviously is not using it in the way that chimps and other apes might use such a noise. Mm. But um, yeah, it's a it's a very socializing noise. Like if you're close to somebody else or if you're like trying to deal with something, you that would be like a noise that you might make.
1: Do you think his use of it implies that like he spent some time living with wildlife?
0: You know, I think so. Oh my God, Miles. Yeah. He was raised by wild apes, but then poachers came whenever he was small and took him away. Like, it's a, he's a double Tarzan. I know. A double Tarzan. I yeah, I know, it's tragic. And so now he has become a mercenary because they've taken him from his original ape family. I mean, he had a, probably a normal human family before that. <laughs> and then... <laughs> now he's one of them but hopefully he can find you know the gentle well not all apes are gentle chimpanzees are violent as fuck but (laughs) you know some gentle ape energy in his life and uh, return to being a peaceful termite and leaf eater
1: (laughs) anyway so
0: anthropology is great and Kruger locks in a submission move and a local taps ending the match
1: I want to point out that Kruger hits El Locale with the slice, which I believe had been the finisher he was using previously. Mm. But after hit it, which is like, like that like roll move where he rolls forward and then hits you with the clothesline, like the jumping clothesline, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, yes. And so, but he does that to Locale, but then instead of pinning him, he like hits him a few more times, and then he locks in that submission hold. Yeah. And so it makes me think that's usually the... You know, the in-match terminology that suggests that they are transitioning to a different major finisher.
0: Interesting.
1: Because, like, he hit the first one, but then, like, wanted to do even more. So this is a new finisher. You know what I mean? That's usually what that means.
0: All right. That's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. Backstage, Paige and Emma are yelling about whose misfire from the previous episodes was a mistake and who did it on purpose. Paige is tasked with being the one who believes that Emma decked her on purpose. Paige says in this disbelieving voice, you hit me, Emma. And like, it's wrestling. Getting hit seems like the whole raison d'etre of the the entire thing. (laughs) And then Paige storms off and Emma's like, that girl's not right. Match three. Oh, that's right. We have a tag team division. Oh, yeah. Division is in the heaviest quotation marks imaginable. (laughs) It's underlined, it's got quotation marks around it, it's italicized. The jobbers are already in the ring, and one of them is Troy McLean. and my brain kept autocorrecting to Troy McClare the entire time. You may remember me from... Such matches as the ones whenever I got my ass kicked.
1: Actually, this is uh, NXT Television's first glimpse at Troy McLean. Oh no! And so you may remember him from, from this match... (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then from another match, he has like eight months from now. Ah, uh, wow. A- aside from that, don't get used to it. I'm not even doing a whole ring the bell segment for it. <laughs> okay,
0: fair enough. So nah, the Ascension are going to devour them. But the audience is mm. chanting, let's go these guys, which I think that might be my favorite chant. So Travis Tyler is the jobber chosen to be sacrificed and mercifully, it is a quick kill. As they soften him up for a minute and then do their tag team take out of him. I just want to say nothing else about this match matters. The only thing that matters, Miles, and I think you'll agree with me on this, is that Travis Tyler is wearing a singlet with a full landscape of a snow-capped mountain on it. And it is (laughs) majestic as hell.
1: That is definitely the thing that matters.
0: Why even have the match? They could have just come out, showed off how cool a singlet was, and said, and by the way, the Ascension wins. Bob,
1: several episodes ago when we talked to Chris Newton. Yes. We discussed how you would feel about the Ascension going forward. I suggested that you were at the beginning of an upswing with them. Like you were just going to keep liking them more and more for a while. Chris wasn't sure that was the case. I'm I'm curious if we can get like an Ascension check-in. Where are you at with them right now? Like, because that was very perfunctory.
0: Yes. I like the Ascension a lot, but I like the Ascension whenever they are doing dumb shit. I don't Uh like them as much whenever they're wrestling unless they're doing interesting matches, I suppose. These are not interesting matches. I mean, it's still... Conor O'Brien is a very strong guy, and it's interesting to see him do strongman things. Uh But for my money, the times when the Ascension are the most fun is whenever they are doing weird graveyard shenanigans, whenever they're doing their backstage promos, Whenever they are coming in and going out and they're just like hovering and weirdly.
1: Everything but their wrestling, in other words.
0: For the most part, because I mean, they don't get to wrestle anybody that stretches them in any way. I don't see anything new out of them performance wise. But they're not being given a lot to work with. This is obviously not their fault. So I'm I'm okay with it. I think they did what they could with this situation. Sure. All right.
1: All right. Well, we'll see what going forward. I still think there's a good times to come.
0: Yay. Now, Miles. Yes. Does squashing a jobber put people over or is squashing a jobber more of a, hey, remember me? I am also on the roster kind of thing. It it depends on
1: the scenario. I think there's a lot of value in squash matches. Like I think squash matches are really important. It's hard because it's like I'm thinking about this in a specific context of WWE and knowing what WWE is mm-hmm. and like the fact that they don't really care about tag team wrestling and the fact that, you know, so often you see this even this day, you see this so often. Cool. You're the tag team champions. Uh, go out and have a job or squash, I guess, because we don't have anything for, you know, like we haven't. Wow. We don't care what you do. We just know that we're expected to have a tag team division. And we have absolutely nothing that we want to give to you. So in that context, it's frustrating to see the NXT Tag Team Champions in a squash match because you don't feel like it's doing anything for them. On the other hand, you think about 2013 NXT, you know, the Ascension, despite being champions, are still pretty new. Like, yeah, we saw them team up for the first time on this show. You know what I mean? So... I think in their position, especially in position of it being very developmental, 2013, they're the champions, but they're not that established and the tag team division isn't that great. I don't know. I still think it's valuable for them to be seen just absolutely wrecking some random nobodies, you know?
0: Okay. I mean, I do enjoy it, because, but there is like a, oh, this is just feeding time at the Ascension Pen. Sure
1: as true in this episode as it was in the last episode. Yeah, pretty much.
0: <laughs> Just like, oh, they're getting hungry. Throw them a donor.
1: Right. But like, at some point you do have to throw them people who are not jobbers, you know, because yeah. otherwise it's like, what are we doing?
0: Speaking of fucking tremendous jobbers. Mm. I don't even want to call him a jobber, but match four. So Mojo Raleigh comes out bouncing around the yes. place like he did two lines in the bathroom and then slammed a Red Bull. <laughs> and then in the ring already so we know he's a jobber but such a good jobber the best jobber is Ty Dillinger aka Sean Spears the bell goes and Dillinger gets in a solid thwack to the chest of Raleigh and then he dances away and he starts flexing his pecs rhythmically and like giving the audience this sort of like ooh look (laughs) it's everything I wanted Miles (laughs) it's the best jobber we've ever had (laughs) And he gets Raleigh down and stomps on his chest and he's relentless kicking Raleigh in the face and locking in a submission, then getting his fingers up Raleigh's nose. Raleigh battles back and slams Dillinger back down onto the mat. But Dillinger's back up and then Raleigh gets down onto all fours and is holding himself back and doing that little dance in place with his legs. Like he's a dog about to lose his mind because you're going to play fetch, (laughs) which I know it was meant to evoke a football thing. Yes. No, he looked like he was pretending to be a puppy. (laughs) And then he tackles the hell out of Ty Dillinger, ramming his back into the corner, and he gets him down onto the mat. And then Raleigh does his jumping butt dunk on Dillinger's chest, hooking the legs for the pin, and it's over. I just want more Ty Dillinger. This is the best Sean Spears I've ever seen.
1: You are absolutely going to get more Ty Dillinger. He's a ways away from doing the thing that made him a thing briefly
0: okay, okay. oh wow <laughs> but,
1: but we will get there
0: all right match five luke harper is back my favorite swamp cultist yeah and then my favorite surf boy is also here so we get cassius ono yep i feel so vindicated by this match because their previous matchup felt like such a fucking letdown and all I want is for this match to be good, Miles. That's all I wanted, and I got my wish. That's what you said
1: at the time, and I was so happy when you said that because I knew you were going to get it.
0: Oh, it's beautiful. Cash's owner does this huge drop kick as soon as the bell goes, and then the two of them are just doing strong big boy stuff of like trading blows, knees, kicks, all of that because they're both well over six foot.
1: Yeah, six four and six five, respectively.
0: Noodle boys. They're beefy noodle boys.
1: They're big, like fucking uh, manicotti noodles.
0: <laughs> I thought you might say manicotti. Man, that's great. That's delightful. What a fun <laughs> word. So <laughs> manicotti. Ah, oh, manicotti. Harper picks up Ono and just throws this huge dude over his head behind him, and he follows it up with a spine buster. So Ono is collapsed on the mat, and Harper just butts him with his head using his head to shove Ono across the mat and roll him over like a huge scavenging predator just trying to get at something. (laughs) And Harper locks in a hold on Ono and Ono reaches up to grab Harper's beard. Hey, Ono, what does that beard feel like? (laughs) I need to know for fanfic
1: reasons. Hit him up on Twitter. He's not doing much these days, unfortunately.
0: Oh, no. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, just not for any creepy reasons. But can you tell me? (laughs)
1: You tell me what Brody Lee's beard feels like. Yeah,
0: just the normalist (laughs) exchange. So he gets out of the hold and Ono gets Harper to fall out of the ring. And then he doubles down by holding onto the rope and Ono just jackknifes his legs at Luke Harper's chest, which I love it whenever the Cassius Ono does that because he's so long. Yeah. Those legs just like push you into the next day yeah and we go to commercial and we come back to see a huge senton from ono he got so much height before he did that sent on i was sort of like oh boy this might be bruised ribs time right and harper gets up from it and whips ono at the ropes but ono grabs the ropes and then does this 360 flip to the outside so he's just standing on the apron Mm -hmm. (sighs) it was so cool yeah,
1: he's great. He's real great.
0: He is. And like, yeah, I mean, is he a normal surf boy? Yes, but clearly he trained with the elves. <laughs> and Harper boots Ono in the snoot as he's standing there on the apron, because obviously he's like, no, you weren't meant to stand there on the apron after I tried to get you to the outside. And right. indeed, it works because Ono flies off the apron into a lanky, crumpled pile. I believe what
1: you're describing, by the way, the thing where Harper tries to throw him out and then Ono, like, catches the top rope and then, like, flips yeah. himself back into the ring. Just so you know, that is referred to in wrestling as skinning the cat.
0: That's cool.
1: Maybe, maybe we should make it a full wrestling term of the week sometime. But, uh,
0: yeah, skinning the cat. Okay. So he makes it back in the ring. And after some back and forth pin attempts, Harper locks up Ono down on the mat and starts rolling back and forth with him like he's an alligator making a kill. Which I feel like, <laughs> as a swamp cultist, rock on, the alligator should be your touchstone.
1: I feel like you've made that comparison before, and it still applies. It
0: does, every time. Ono struggles out and gets another dropkick in the crowd is chanting his name, and I'm so... I, I want Ono to win! Ono has momentum and does a neckbreaker on Harper from the top rope, somersaulting over Harper to bring him to the mat. They also do something that the commentary team calls a Tilt-a-roll, side-slam, maybe? Yes. It was so cool. It's what it sounds like. It's like, what if you both sort of tried to do that hip swing thing from swing dancing back whenever swing dancing became really popular again for a moment in the early aughts, but you both did it at the same time and just looked really cool.
1: It's like Harper, basically what he does is he lifts up Ono and spins around with him, but all in one motion. Yeah. And like the lift, the spin and the come down are all like a single fluid motion. Tilt the world moves are beautiful when they're pulled off, right?
0: So good. And there's a moment that seems definitively like Ono is going to win the match after a big elbow and then he t- tangles up Harper and he's got him down on the mat, but Harper still kicks out and then the match ends for real with Harper doing his discus clothesline and pinning Ono for the win. Yeah. But it was a great match and they seemed like they were, you know, living it up out there. So I was okay with it.
1: One of the fun things about a wrestling match for me is and like one of the reasons I think that everybody, if they're trying to get into wrestling, should really learn the grammar of it is because you watch a match like this and it's like, all right, you know how this goes. You know that Ono is probably going to have a flurry of offense at the beginning because he's the face and then Harper's the heel. So he's going to take over and he's going to just beat the crap out of him for a while. And every time Ono tries to come back, Harper's going to cut him off. And then we get to the finish and the finish can be anything. Yeah. So it's really exciting to know that you're at that point where it's like, oh shit, okay, oh no, just hit a move that might win in the match. Like, it would make sense narratively to win. Oh no,
0: he kicked out. What's going to happen
1: now, you know? Yeah,
0: it definitely had that feeling in a way that I don't always get to have.
1: It's just like really classic wrestling storytelling where like, you know, it's not like Cassius Ono is a huge part of the shows or anything. It's not like he's being pushed as some great hero who's super over with the crowd. But like you said, by the end, the crowd is really into him and really wanting him to win. Yeah. And then, of course, you say, fuck you to the crowd. You take it away because you got to come back next time if you want that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and that's why wrestling, you know, the the catharsis of that big match where the hero finally does do it when drawn out is such a great feeling and, and the best of what wrestling is yeah. so often. Right, Bob. So thank you for that breakdown. What did you think of this episode?
0: It's kind of a weird one because it was like getting four appetizers and then like the best dessert ever.
1: <laughs> I remember watching this again right before we started recording and like kind of going through and being like, all right, like Bruce of LaForte, right? I remember this. Yeah. Okay. Mojo and Dillinger. Sure. And we have Kruger and uh, an L.O. Call. That's basically a squash. Then we have the Ascension. Sw- Damn, okay, this is a lot of like little matches. What's the main event? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. This is the main event. Cool. Yeah,
0: (laughs) and getting to see that was fantastic. So I feel like I don't always get to see a match in NXT that sort of earns its length. So I was pretty happy with it. And then also getting to see Ty Dillinger being goofy and funny, like a really charismatic Mm -hmm. jobber. I I was super here for that. And then obviously that singlet.
1: Absolutely. I love that you're getting a sense of the narrative space that a match should occupy and whether or not it's gone too short or too long. It's a really cool thing to hear you talking Aww. about that just because like you're you're absolutely right. Like I feel the same way. That match went exactly as long as it should have. And you will encounter many matches that do not go as long as they should.
0: Yeah, where it has like a really abrupt finish where you're like, what? Where did this ending come out of?
1: Or you're like, Jesus, guys, you've been going 25 minutes. You could have gone 10, like wrap it up. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, uh, we got
1: much more to talk about, and we're going to do that in the form of the sight, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling.
0: Yes. Yes. So, Bob, for this episode,
1: what did your elf eyes see?
0: Hashtag buttwatch. Hashtag butt watch. What do you got? Ty Dillinger's underoos are purple and have a silver screen print on them that makes it look like his butt is gift wrapped. <laughs> I will say no more than that. Beautiful.
1: I mean, he is a gift. He is a gift to all of us.
0: He is a gift. And he has a pretty nice butt.
1: Yeah. His butt is a gift as well. Yeah. All butts are gifts.
0: Yeah, all butts are gifts. All right, Miles, what did your elf eyes see? From the same match. Yay. Hashtag crotch
1: watch. <gasps> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't know if you were looking at what Mojo Raleigh had going on in that one, Bob. Yes. But Sharon and I spent like actually backed it up and uh, we're trying to determine what that was going down the front of his tights. At first, we thought it might be like a, a necktie. <laughs> and then we were like, no, it's not a necktie. Is it like an exclamation point? I thought for a moment it was like an arrow going up or possibly an arrow going down. It's actually like somebody ripped Mojo's tights apart at that very spot right over his penis. But instead of penis, there was like a void. Ha 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 ha
0: Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, The color scheme as well reminds me of Dr. Seuss.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Because it's that bright primary like yellow, red, blue.
1: That's true. I actually had another doctor in mind, though, Bob, because for me, the more I stared at Mojo Raleigh's crotch... The more it began to look to me like the crack in reality. Yes. From uh the fifth season of the, of the new Doctor Who.
0: Yes. Oh, my God. It's just much of Raleigh's crotch.
1: <laughs> All right, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear?
0: I honestly, I don't fucking know, because what I <laughs> what I heard doesn't make any goddamn sense.
1: OK. There's
0: Renee Young saying about Leo Kruger. One time I saw him Googling ghost prisons. (laughs) What What? the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Ghost prisons? And I was like, I can't have possibly heard ghost prisons. And the closed captioning insists that it is ghost prisons. But what I also heard was ghost prisons. (laughs) How did I miss this line? Uh, And then Alex Riley, I think, even says ghost prisons? (laughs) <laughs> but, it, but no one goes really any further into it. It's just stated and then left there. So what did your Vulcan ears hear, Miles?
1: My Vulcan ears heard at the very beginning of the episode, Lana, who is very much not Russian. I don't know if you picked up on that.
0: Where is she from?
1: She's from California. Oh, and, wow. Uh, <laughs> she was trying to speak Russian in this episode. Oh, boy. At one point, Lefor was talking about how Rusev is his client. She was like something like was like, no, it's me, Cleon. And she's like going between Spanish and like French. And, and I was like, dude, that does not sound like Russian. I mean, God, I guess it's possible that she really does know Russian and I'm the one showing my ignorance here. But in that case, I'm more than willing to admit it.
0: I mean, I don't know enough about Russian to say I. I yeah, exactly. I, yeah, we're, we're in the dark about this. We know nothing. If you speak Russian, that's cool. So I, was like, yeah. I was gonna say, tell us what what any of this means, but also just you're really cool.
1: All right, Bob. What did your human heart feel?
0: I'm pretty sure you know what it felt. Just, I think I do. So much love for that Ono and Harbor match. Yeah, it was fantastic, and I know that they both worked in Chikara around the same time. So, at least to me, it seemed like they knew one another's styles really well. And they knew Mm -hmm. and trusted one another enough to, like, really lean into the moves and stuff. And they just really wrestled like they were going for it. And it was great.
1: Yeah. You know, I I think a lot of matches in subsequent eras of NXT, people remember and think about a lot because of, like, the indie guys who came up and did really great work and and knew each other really well. And I don't know. Matches like this one, I feel like are are a little bit forgotten, you know, where it's like... It wasn't just Zane and Cesaro, although it was absolutely Zane and Cesaro and Paige and Emma getting NXT over with more of the audience at the time. It was also like matches like this, where it was like it's Brody Lee and Chris Hero, and you're letting them go 12 minutes on a television main event and they're tearing it up. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Miles, what did your human heart feel? So uh, this is
1: weird, but like going back to the beginning of the episode again, I've watched this episode twice recently and. Both times, I just feel a little bit bad for Laford. I know that he is a scumbag capitalist and, you know, just a greasy, horrible person. Yeah. But, like, he does a really good job of selling that he's, like, he's feeling hurt and betrayed at the beginning of the episode.
0: Yeah, he does. He really does. You're not wrong. You sort of are like, oh.
1: Yeah, he's like, I don't understand. Rusev was my client, I, and I paid him well. I don't know why he would just do that. And and Elton, who are you? You know, like he reminded me a little bit of when I was working in education. And I remember one time this third grader, I was talking to him for some reason. And he was really sad because like his friend wasn't didn't want to play with him because he wanted to play with like this girl. Ah, oh, yeah. You know, and like kind of reminded me of that. You know, I was like, wait, what do you mean you're going to go play with her? Like we're we're best friends. Oh. You know. Oh. That's so cute. You know what, Sylvester? We all have to leave the nest sometime, and this is just like a part of life. And if they're really your friends, they'll come back and hang out with you again.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It is now time for the wrestling term of the week, which in this case is going to be wrestling history of the week. But first, we have to hear Bob's fanfic from two episodes ago, explaining the previous wrestling term of the week, which was Cornerman. So, Bob, take it away.
0: The match was over, and Morticia had patiently waited backstage. Nice. After being sent there for stomping on Mr. Incredible's hand with her spiked teal boots. (laughs) She'd only drawn a very little blood. Not worth the fuss they'd raised, surely. Gomez came back, collapsing heavily at her feet and laying his head in her lap. My love, you were so vicious, so uncaring. I loved it. (laughs) gomez said (laughs) wrapping his arms around her waist morticia (laughs) smiled darling you say the loveliest things i'm only sorry that i couldn't have defeated him and returned to your side more quickly after you were ejected from the match now gomez don't torture yourself that's my job morticia purred oh tish and you do it so well what were you thinking as you drove your heel into mr incredible's hand morticia smiled wistfully I was thinking that if his wound gets infected, we might have a funeral to attend. A funeral! You know how I love those. They remind me of when we first met. But, querida, do try to avoid drawing the referee's attention next time. I need you by my side, as I am at your side for all of your matches. Gomez took her hand in his. Of course, my love. I was overcome with bloodlust in the moment. You know how I can be. She kissed his forehead in apology. Gomez beamed up at her. That I do, my corner queen. I wouldn't have you any other way. Yeah! Uh, those characters came courtesy of Rafael Medina, who is the beautiful composer of our theme song.
1: Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much, uh, Rafael, for those characters. Thank you, Bob, for that fanfic. That was beautiful. I fucking love the Adams Family. I so know. I've been to it. All right, well, thank you so much, Bob. Uh, it is now time for... Wrestling history of the week. The wrestling history that we're going to look at this week is women's wrestling history. Part two.
0: Yay.
1: So this was something that we started doing back on episode 20. And I am presenting to Bob some snippets of the history of women's wrestling through the lens specifically of WrestleMania that I have been working on for uh, a while now. It's kind of an ongoing project that somehow never gets finished, but that's okay. Someday it will be, and then it will be great. Yeah. Last time on Wrestling History of the Week, you might recall that we talked about how the early days of pro wrestling were filled with these badass, tough ladies that were frequently the main events of shows and the biggest attractions of those yeah. early days. We talked about the fabulous Mula, who took women's wrestling and basically made it her own business, controlling the entire women's wrestling scene uh, and just generally being a terrible person. Yeah. We talked about Wendy Richter, how she and Moolah were the actual driving force of the wave of WWF success that eventually became the first WrestleMania. And we talked about how at the very first WrestleMania, Wendy Richter defeated Leilani Kai, a disciple of Moolah, to capture the Women's Championship uh, and how it seemed like, with this connection to Cyndi Lauper and the rock and wrestling era, women's wrestling was going to be a thing for a long time. And we acknowledged that that would not be the case. So, part two. The similarities between professional wrestling and politics were obvious long before a WWE Hall of Famer became president of the United States. Mm. But there is also a long history of internal politics that have fundamentally shaped the wrestling industry. Massive stars like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair are well known for using their influence on bookers and promotions to dictate the results of any given wrestling show, usually in a way that made them look good. The fabulous Moolah was a consummate politician, and her attempts to maintain absolute power over women's wrestling was largely the cause of its demise in the United States. By the end of 1985, Wendy Richter, anointed champion and cornerstone of the burgeoning WWF, was gone from the company. Every wrestling fan, and I'm sure you do as well, Bob, knows the story, or at least has heard about the story of the 1997 Montreal Screwjob. And thanks to a popular episode of Radio Lab, many non-wrestling fans know about it as well. But 12 years earlier, Richter and Moolah were the central players in what is commonly referred to as the original Screwjob. Have you ever heard of the Montreal Screwjob, Bob?
0: I have not. Okay.
1: Uh, The Montreal Screwjob, incidentally, is an incident that happened in 1997 that was televised on pay-per-view as the main event of WWF Survivor Series. And uh, it involved a conspiracy between Vince McMahon, Shawn Michaels, and the referee to get the championship off of Bret Hart before he could leave the company with it. Oh, So very interesting story. We should definitely talk about that sometime. But the original Screwjob, the story goes like this. Richter had spent a large part of the year asking Vince McMahon for better compensation. Like many women of the era, she was being criminally underpaid. Yeah. She claims she was only making $25 per standard house show, which was the non-televised events. Oh, my God. And she was egregiously underpaid considering her popularity and her position in the company. Richter wanted to be making the kind of money that the men made, or barring that, at least something commensurate with her status as the face of the WWF Women's Division. Yeah. She also made the mistake of rejecting the idea that McMahon was responsible for her success, reportedly responding to McMahon's claims that he made her with, quote, You can't fuck with me. Cindy Lauper made me. Yeah! It's a fair guess that McMahon was the one who ultimately decided Richter was turning out to be more trouble than she was worth, but it was Moolah who conspired with him to unwittingly relieve Richter of the Women's Championship. In November 1985, during a show at Madison Square Garden, Richter was scheduled to defend her title against the Masked Spider Lady, an established villain character who, as one might expect, wore a mask to the ring. A few minutes after the bell rang, the Spider Lady rolled Richter up to try and pin her, and while Richter clearly kicked out of the pin, the referee counted three and awarded the championship to the Spider Lady.
0: Oh my god.
1: Enraged, Richter ripped off the mask to reveal the grinning face of the fabulous Mula, once again women's champion. Ah. Uh. And it's pretty obvious from the beginning that Richter knew that it wasn't the Spider Lady, and she knew exactly who it was before the match started. Richter never spoke to Mula or wrestled for WWF again. At the second WrestleMania which was already in the process of becoming the WWF's annual equivalent of the Super Bowl, Moolah defeated another one of her protégés, Velvet McIntyre, in a match that ended abruptly and awkwardly in less than 90 seconds. Oh, jeez. It would be eight years before WrestleMania would again feature something so revolutionary as two women competing for a championship. However, there was another woman present at WrestleMania 2. And she would go on to define the era that saw women's wrestling decline, atrophy, and ultimately vanish from the WWF completely. And for the rest of that story.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: come back next time. Next time we do wrestling history. I'm, gonna, I'm
0: not sure how I'm going to do a fic about this, but I think I've got it in me somewhere.
1: I don't know how you are either, but I appreciate you being game enough to try. And anyway, you will once again have two weeks. Yes. Because on the next episode... We're having uh, Jeff B. Lee on the show. Yeah. So that's going to be a ton of fun.
0: It is. I'm really excited.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm very stoked that he's coming on. All right. So uh, it's about the end of our time here, Bob. But we have to finish things off with the Cheap Pop Quiz. So
0: I'm up to seven points right now.
1: You are up to seven points. That's oh, right. Oh, my God. So, you could potentially get it if you sweep this quiz.
0: Okay, I'm gonna try really hard. I'm gonna try extra hard.
1: Okay. Question number one
0: Who arrives
1: for their match on the next episode with brand new entrance music? Is it A, Adrian Neville, B, Corey Graves, C, Mason Ryan, D, Aiden English? Or E, Alexander Rusev?
0: Adrian Neville's is a bit anonymous, so I'm going to say Adrian Neville.
1: Adrian Neville. All right, choosing the answer A. Question number two. On the next episode, you will meet the son of legendary Tongan wrestler Haku, also known as Meng. Despite the fact that he is not only Tongan, but of a well-known Tongan lineage, What nationality is this wrestler's character? Is it A, Samoan, B, Hawaiian, C, Mexican, D, Puerto Rican, or E, Native American?
0: Oh, boy. By
1: what nationality is his character, I mean, what is obviously his gimmick? Like, his entire character.
0: Oh, no. Okay. I know that quite a few wrestlers have been Samoan and had that be at least an aspect of their character. So Mm. I will say uh, Samoan.
1: All right, going with answer A again, Samoan. And question number three. When Brandon Stroud of With Spandex reviewed this episode back when it first aired, because I go back and read his reviews as prep for this. Yay! He wrote the following about the segment with the BFFs and Bailey. Quote, this can go in a few acceptable directions. And after laying out those acceptable directions, he concluded, quote, anything else can go to hell. Which of his four acceptable directions actually occurs? Is it A, Bailey going bad but still being Bailey in a Sandy from Greece situation? B, Charlotte turning on Bailey because she's a flayer and the flares are all disreputable scumbags? Hmm. C. Charlotte and Sasha having a when doves cry moment where they realize they're color-swapped versions of the same character. D. Bailey hugging everyone and everyone deciding to be friends. Or E. None of the above. They went in a different direction and Stroud was very upset.
0: I'm going to say Charlotte goes bad because she's a flare. It seems very early for Charlotte to be going bad, but I also like... She's a flair, and I know that that's a part of her thing, so I'm going to say that.
1: All right, Charlotte turns on Bailey because she's a flair, and the flair are all disreputable scumbags. Well, come back next episode to see uh, how Bob did on this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. All right, Bob, well, I think that's all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me.
0: Thank you! It's always a wonderful journey to go on. Well, joining us on that wonderful journey, of course,
1: are our lovely supporters over uh, on Patreon. We love them. We do love them. On that note, on the note of our patrons, Bob, I have an update for you. (laughs) Yes. Regarding the situation in the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. Yay. And that is that we have a new champion. Oh, my gosh. Seth Luna, our sweet, sweet werewolf boy, has been dethroned. Oh. Sadly, but... I think you'll like who is our champion now, Bob. Now, y'all may not know this because a lot of people, when it comes time for me to assign their wrestling personas, just kind of let me do it because they think it's fun, right? Yeah. But if you are a $10 patron, you do have the option to send in all the details of your wrestling persona, which a couple of people have exercised. And uh, our new champion is no exception. Daniel Lashley Smith OK, As he was known on the independent scene. That's such a good name. It is a good name. Has sent in all the details of his wrestling persona. And I wanted to give you a, a good sense of, of who our new champ is. Our new champ, Bob, is the Dark Dragon, Danny Blackson.
0: Oh, hell yes. It's pretty
1: good. Danny wants us to know that his uh, signature move. Now, I don't know if we actually talked a lot about signature moves versus finishing moves, Bob. But a signature move is a move that wrestlers like do a lot, but that's not their finisher. Okay. So it's like you can count on the wrestler pulling that move out sometime during the match and like going for the pin and the other person kicking out. You know what I mean? It's that kind of move. Uh, So Danny Blackson's signature move is the Shot in the Dark, AKA the Kamagoye Knee Strike. And his finishing move is the Black Dragon which is a dragon suplex, one of my favorite moves. I Ooh, love the dragon suplex.
0: Okay, I love it. And
1: his entrance music is Whispers in the Dark by Skillet. I actually went and listened to this song prior to recording, and I gotta say, it, it slaps, man. I like this All song. All right! I'll have to check it out. And finally, Danny has provided a quote from his wrestling character, the Dark Dragon, and the quote is as follows. To the outcasts, to the downtrodden, and the ones in darkness and despair, I will be your avenging angel, the one to keep you safe until you can reach the light. And to those who prey upon them, know that I will cast my judgment upon you, and you will face judgment at the Maw of the Black Dragon.
0: Oh my god, I love this!
1: It's fucking fantastic. Congratulations to Danny Blackson, our new champion here The Next Wrestling Fan Wrestling Promotion. Thank you so much to Daniel Lashley Smith for becoming a patron Thank at the $10 you. level. We really appreciate it. Partially because of Danny's contribution and the contribution of other people in recent days, we can announce as of this episode that we have reached our $100 goal.
0: Yes, which means a new bonus episode.
1: Yeah. Thank you guys so much for uh, for helping us get to this point and we will be rewarding you. you with a new bonus episode. You will be able to vote if you are a patron on a list of five things that Megan, Bob, and I are going to cover. So if you are not a patron of The Next Wrestling Fan and you want to listen to and help decide the content of our bonus episodes, now is the time to go over to patreon.com slash nxtwrestlingfan and sign up at the 2 5 or $10 level. The last poll we did, everything on it was a wrestling-related thing. And we're not exactly doing that this time. One of the entries on the poll is going to be Fighting with My Family, which was on the last poll. And the reason we're putting that one on this one again is because it almost won the last poll. Bob, what else is on the poll?
0: The other things on the poll that might interest any of you who are, you know, on the fence about voting. One of them is Hatoful Boyfriend, which is a pigeon dating simulator that I have (laughs) played that Miles has never played. And I think Miles would probably, you know, like to date a really handsome pigeon. I think I would. I also got Miles to put uh, the first episode of Yuri on Ice on there. And then we also have a wrestling romance novel that neither of us knows anything about. As
1: well as the comic book miniseries Avengers Arena from Marvel Comics which uh, I have read and many read many times and loved it. And uh, Bob has not read. Bob is not a comic book person. Not usually. No, it is kind of wrestling esque in that, you know, it's a you know, it's a battle royal, so to Mm -hmm. speak. So, um, yeah, those are going to be the five uh, entries on the poll. So if you want to go over to Patreon, it should already be up by the time you listen to this. And if you are listening to this and you want to vote, Uh, Head over again to the Patreon and sign up. This
0: poll will close on Saturday, July 18th. So go over to Patreon and get your vote in. So before Saturday, the 18th, we also have a watch party. Sunday, the 12th of July at 1 p.m. Pacific. And we'll be watching several wrestling matches. We're not quite sure which ones yet, but they will feature no cishet white dudes. It will be all people of color, queer people, women. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, if you are listening to this on the day it becomes available to the general public, then the day we are talking about is tomorrow. So keep an eye on the um, Smash Fiction fan faction, if that's something you're a part of, and on our Twitter and Facebook for more details about how to get into that cast party uh, when we start the Watch. Yeah. All right, thank you so much once again to all of our patrons. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Even if you're not patrons, we very much appreciate you as well. We love you all, and we will see you in two weeks with the next episode of The Next Wrestling Fan.
0: Bye!
1: The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairin.
0: Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin
1: McLeod for additional music and Stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com.
0: We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us.
1: You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness.
0: Visit our website at NXTWrestlingFan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more.
1: If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at NXTWrestlingFan at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. I don't have any answers, Miles, nor do I know what a ghost prison is. I mean, I assume a prison
1: for ghosts or possibly a prison run by ghosts.
0: Yeah, oh, a prison run by ghosts or for ghosts. Yeah, it's true. We don't know.
1: Or maybe the ghost of a prison, like maybe a prison you know like died in a fire to the extent that to the extent that a prison can die and like fall off of fall out of like human memory and slip into the cracks you know between between the knowledge of people or what you know yeah you you read science fiction
0: yeah i know i totally know what you mean there's a lot of options who knows what leo kruger was googling but something about ghost prisons
1: we should really try to find his AO3 account.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Leo Kruger's AO3 account. That's a place <laughs> where, where nightmares go to be born. <laughs>